recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge high atop the John Baxter Building in beautiful Midtown Portsmouth, Virginia. It's Phantasmo After Dark with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host, Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic, popcorn. Buy a bag. Go home in a box. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the old podcast here. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Rob. And tonight we're going to be talking about a movie that I have loved for a long time, and I'm surprised we haven't talked about it yet, Popcorn. I think we've been saying that a lot recently. I'm surprised we haven't talked about it yet. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, yeah, there's just so many good movies out there that we like and obscure movies. I've been looking for all of my life. And uh, it's just, I don't know, We sometimes we'll be, you know, the week before or the day, day before when we're running behind <laughs> trying to figure out what we're going to do the podcast on, it's... We just draw, draw a blank and rack our brains on, you know, oh, what do we want to talk about? What do we want to talk about? And there's tons of movies we haven't talked about yet, you know? Yes. And there's tons that um, I haven't seen that I'm surprised I haven't seen yet that we mm-hmm. need to get around and watch. But then there's tons that we've watched many times and it's like, oh, well, shit, why don't we talk about that? I can't believe we haven't done that one yet. And this is one of those. And here it is. <laughs> yeah, I've always liked this movie from the first time I saw it. Me too. The thing about it is, because it's kind of a tribute to the William Castle, right. Ballyhoo g- movie gimmick stuff. Yeah. And it's something I've always wanted to do. And, it, well, we've kind of done it a little bit in some of the movie presentations we've done over the a years. A little bit, but nothing like they were able to do in this movie. Yeah. Basically, I wish we could do that. Yeah, the plot. So basically, the plot is this college film class group gets t- together and for their school project or thesis or whatever they they call it, they're going to do an all-night horathon right. at a closed-down theater. They're going to open it back up for the one night and do this all-night horathon and to get people to come in to see what they call these stinkers, these crappy movies, they're going to use the old gimmicks like used to be used in the movies. Mm-hmm. And they one of the film students gets in touch with the local... Like movie, movie collectibles, mem- yeah, movie memorable guy. collectible guy, film historian, which ends up being is Ray Walston in a cameo. So, step right up, and we'll all get started. And he has trunk loads of all the old gimmicks that were used, actually used in those movies. Mm-hmm. So they use those, and they have this big horathon. But the subplot, or the... It's actually the main plot. The main really. plot, really, is <laughs> through all of this, one of the girls in the film class has been having these nightmares about she comes to find out it's this weird film and this serial killer kind of guy and she doesn't know why but she's writing all this stuff or recording all this stuff on a little tape recorder so she can write her script for her movie yeah she's basing her script on her dreams yeah and they find when they're opening all these trunks of stuff for the gimmicks they find this old 35 print of some movie called The Possessor so they run it and it's this weird avant-garde 60s hippie movie with all these yeah. close-ups of mouths and eyes and blood dripping. And then it ends with it looks like a sacrifice. And the girl passes out because that's the exact stuff she's been seeing in her dreams. Right. They find out that the guy who made the film, was it Lanyard Gates is the character's yeah. name, mm-hmm. was actually a cult leader and filmmaker back in the, the 60s and made this film. And the ending of the film was supposed to be done live. He was going to kill somebody live on stage. Yeah, the ending of Possessor. Of not Possessor. Popcorn. Yeah, of the movie Possessor, <laughs> his movie Possessor. And when he did that, apparently a lady came in, 
because they had a little gr- a little girl there, his daughter there, and he was yeah, in the his sacrifice. family and the his whole wife cult. and the daughter. Yeah, and the aunt comes in and shoots him and takes the daughter, runs out, and a theater burns down. Right. So that's kind of basically the plot. Then, as the movie starts to happen and the marathon starts to go on, people start dying, and you find out that the killer. First, they think it's maybe it's Lanyard Gates has come back. Yeah. Well, you kind of start thinking that it's like the by running the film, you've released the ghost of Lanyard Gates or something, and he's possessing the theater and killing people or something. Yeah, kind of, sort of. Or or he's just been in hiding the whole time, and he heard about it, and he's yeah. come back. Because there's this one scene where Dee Wallace is in this. Yeah. She plays... Um, the mother of was the... Was it Sarah? Sarah. Shannon? It's an S name. Well, she had two names. Yeah. Anyway, the lead girl. Right. Uh, I know the actress's name was Jill. That's all I can remember. <laughs> but, oh, she keeps getting these phone calls. Yeah. And it sounds like it's Lanyard Gates talking to her. So Dee Wallace goes to the theater in the middle of the night with a gun. Yeah, because he, he tells her to come down yeah. there and says, bring your gun. Yeah, your pretty little gun or whatever. Yeah. And she goes there. And now this is where it kind of not jumps the rails, but does something totally out of the logic of the movie. But you don't know it yet. Well, I I never I did. I mean, I didn't feel that it it felt completely out of place to me because I didn't think it was a ghost coming back. Oh, I, I wasn't okay. led to believe that. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, that's it wasn't what well, the impression I got from yeah, it. Yeah, you didn't think it was anything supernatural. No, uh-uh. She goes to the theater and all of a sudden the letters start popping off the marquee down on the ground and was it lightning and happened and then the word possessor appears on the marquee out of nowhere. And it's like there's nothing supernatural in the movie at all. Yeah. Up to that point or after that. So that just kind of like takes you out of it for a second. Yeah, it's know? a little weird. Yeah. Well, you know, I I tried to think about it later because they have a lot of a lot of technical things that they're trying to do yeah. for the movies. You know, they've got the mosquito for the movie Mosquito that comes flying down yeah. and they have the... Stinchorama. Yeah, and they have the, the seats rigged to yeah. shock people during the shock movie. Or, I yeah. can't remember what that one was called. But so I thought, well, maybe he somehow went out and, I don't know, rigged the marquee to, yeah. to make the letters pop off. That's that's the only thing I could come up with that, that keeps you grounded in the film. Yeah. And the only thing I couldn't come up with was how he got the word possessor up there. It clearly isn't, it isn't marquee letters. It looks like it's a projection yeah. and he could have projected it up there. Yeah. That's just something you just have to kind of let go, yeah. I guess. I know. I you mean, know. you know, I'm probably way overthinking it and nobody really needs to think it well, that no, I mean, far, I guess. But it, it does, it, it can take you completely out of it. Yeah. You know, for a, for a minute there. And I kind of thought, well, uh, for me to keep going with the movie, that's what the explanation I have to in my head yeah. yeah he rigged it to have do to something. go with yeah it was just special effects because of all the other stuff that, yeah. that they use now one thing that's really kind of cool about this is the, they do show bits of the movies that they're showing yeah you know, we get to see so long bits actually. long bits so it's like movies within a movie yeah uh going on and the first one is mosquito mosquito right? which of course is a take on them and deadly mantis and all the big yeah, bug so movies. giant mosquito so they filmed uh, a short 50s b giant bug movie which we only see maybe a minute maybe a minute or two of broken down into little segments as they cut back to it and the big gimmick in this is when the mosquito comes out on the screen they have this giant mosquito on a wire that that lights up and flies across the theater yeah and it's a a remote control so it could turn around and And, buzz yeah and and fly back along Mm -hmm. the wire so that's kind of cool the other one is the electrified man 
which is a take on Cheney's um, was indestructible man, man made mm-hmm. monster with those. And uh, Bruce Glover is actually in this. Oh yeah. Now he plays the electrified man part and hams it up like he, you know, he always does. But the and, gimmick for that was to rig the seats like Tingler. Yeah, the seats buzz and shock, give you a, a shock on your butt when he gets shocked. Right. In the electric chair and when he's using his electric powers and stuff. So that that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And there's bits of that. And apparently they filmed a lot for that scene hmm. or that, that little movie that got mm-hmm. cut out. Oh, wow. We watched the DVD. Uh, no, the Blu-ray mm-hmm. that I have of popcorn. And it has a pretty lengthy interview with Bruce Glover at the end. Mm-hmm. Plus a nice little documentary with some of the other cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other film is a Japanese import called, oh, what was it called? It was Stench was the movie, I think. I think it was The Stench. Yeah, The Stench. And it has where they pipe in uh, fog or smells throughout the theater's uh, Yeah, uh, And you know, how system. cool is it that that theater had these cool things already set up where you could do that? I don't know that that's really what that I don't think it really did. I think for. they just did that for the movie. Well, of course. But, but I mean... It, what else would it have been there yeah. for? Well, it could have been just over the ventilation system. I guess. A decorative. It's really cool. Yeah. They had these, like, lion heads. Big gargoyle lion type heads. Yeah, uh, along with, the top and, of the theater. Yeah, and, and the open mouth is where the stench yeah, came out. Yeah, it would of. just come out of his mouth. It was really cool. But what they gave out in the theater was this, what's, I forget what they called them, but they were basically clothespins put on your nose. Yeah. But it had some kind of design on them to keep you from smelling the stench. So it was really cool the interactive and they had the place was decorated up and they all the people working it wore costumes yeah. and people came in costume because it was a big horathon and, yeah. the place and they was put packed. on like a little show kind of yeah they, they had a band out, out front and stuff. yeah and it was really a cool it like it would have been a blast to be there yeah total it looks interactive like something experience. we would have done if we had a budget for it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean honestly we've done we've done similar we've done things similar on a stuff. smaller smaller scale at yeah. uh, local theater around here and then when we did Phantasmo yeah uh, for years Cult Sun Explosion that. yeah we would do stuff like that whenever we could but this was on a grand scale yeah oh and how just awesome would that be now the weird thing about this movie a couple interesting bits is we've it was, skipped over most of the cast okay well I'll talk about the cast real quick I said Ray mentioned Ray, Ray Walston. Yep. Was the, uh, had a cameo in it. Mm-hmm. Tony Roberts, who's in a lot of Woody Allen films and stuff. Yeah. Jill Sloden, Sloden, I can't, I can't remember how to pronounce her last name. She was the lead girl in it. Mm-hmm. Tom Villard was the other pretty much main character in it. Yeah. I've seen him in other stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he was in, well, he had a one part in Grease 2. <laughs> yeah. And he's been in the one-offs on TV and lots yeah. of things over yeah. the years. And then Dee Wallace. Right. From The Howling and everything else. And then a bunch of, or not a bunch, but a few other people who... They've done some stuff here and there. Lot, yeah. yeah. Well, um, Kelly Jo Minter was the one girl. She was in, you've seen her show up in a lot of things. Uh, not- most notably, I remember, Private School, or no, Summer School with mm. Mark Harmon. Okay. Yeah. She was in that. The girl he had to... That uses car to get a driver's license and she wrecked oh, it. Oh, right, right, yeah. yeah. But that's about it, really. Another interesting thing about the movie is the directors. Mm-hmm. And I said directors. Yes. Because it started off with, actually, which would have been interesting to see, Alan Ormsby. Mm-hmm. You know, from Children's Certain Play with Dead Things. Right. And among, you know, among others. He was the initial director of the film. And in about three weeks in, 
the producers or whoever decided it just wasn't working. It wasn't working out. They weren't getting the shots they wanted or something. So they replaced him and they replaced the lead actress. The lead actress, I can't remember her name, but it was a blonde mm -hmm. girl. And it just, so the combination is still working. So they replaced her and they called this girl Jill in the 11th hour and she mm -hmm. came back and had to reshoot stuff that that girl shot and then carry on. Yeah. Uh, but the guy they got to direct was, uh, oh, was his name? Mark Terrier. I think that's right. I think his name was, which you know, he's directed a few things here and there. Uh, I, don't, I can't remember. I'll have to look it up. But he's familiar because he was Billy in Porky's. Right. You know, yeah. so he was an actor. Yeah. And Porky's funny as hell. But <laughs> Bob Clark uh, had to do with Porky's produced or, I don't know if he directed there or not. Yeah. But Bob Clark also produced this. So mm -hmm. they, that's kind of, I guess, the connection. They knew each other. Yeah. And in know. the documentary, weren't they saying that they felt like there were actually two directors? The producer was kind of calling the shots on Yeah, him. Bob Clark was apparently a very hands-on producer and calling a lot of, the, you know, suggesting a lot of things, if not calling shots. And, uh, yeah, so Alan Wormsby actually directed, you know, a little bit of the movie. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how much of the main part movie he directed when, before they you know, replaced him, but he definitely did direct the black and white movie within a movie segments. Okay. And it was used in the film. Oh, okay. So, and those are, those were really good. I mean, it was a really parody, but tribute to what they more are. of, yeah. of the actual, you know, those fifties atomic age movies. Right. So that was kind of cool. Uh, that you know they they actually use those bits and didn't go back and reshoot those. Well, yeah. it wouldn't have been any reason to go back and reshoot those because they work. Yeah, it is weird that they they just said you know it's not working. We're going to get rid of you. I know that's not unheard of that yeah. that happens, but it's odd that they they did that and they and they got a new lead actress. And I know that in the interview they said or one of the people said that whoever the lead actress was. Alan was trying to keep her. So yeah. I guess maybe it's not a surprise that they both went at the same time. Yeah. I mean, they showed in the documentary at the end, you, they show some stills mm -hmm. of her with the cast. And just look at the pictures. It just doesn't, I guess maybe because I'm just so used to seeing the other girl. Yeah. But she just doesn't like she fits. Right. She has a totally different look to her that doesn't yeah. seem to gel with the what's going on. Right. And one thing they said, in that documentary too. I love watching the documentary stuff. You get all that cool information, but yeah, they said they had them come out to, they filmed in Jamaica, right? Yeah. They had them come out to Jamaica two weeks ahead of time just to like get together and hang out and get to know each other. Rehearse and, and, and bond rehearse a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And bond. Cause they're supposed to appear to be friends. Like yeah. they, they've been in class for so long, work on projects together, gotten close, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And they were like living, rooming together. Yeah. And, so that's just kind of cool that they didn't just show up on the, you know, first or second day, do read-throughs, and then start filming. Yeah. You know, they got to form some kind of bond. Oh, yeah. And that does happen when you're working on a project, uh, any oh, yeah. kind of theatrical project, whether it's a play or movie, whatever, with a group of people, and you're working real close together and living together, kind of, and uh, you do form bonds like yeah, that and quickly. Because, you, I mean, you're working on something, and you have to trust each other. Yeah. You know, on what you're going to do, what they're going to do, and how you're going to react to what they're going to do. And if you've never been involved with anything like that, it's you may not hard understand to explain. It. Yeah, it, you, yeah, you cannot really understand it. And it's really hard to explain it 
But well, anybody it's, it's that has weird. knows exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, it is weird to to say it and understand it from the outside, because if you haven't experienced yeah. it, you kind of wonder how how can you possibly be that close to somebody that quickly? You know, it's almost like saying love at first sight yeah. and believing it. Yeah. But it really does happen that fast. Yeah. And it's weird. It happens that fast. And sometimes you stay friends with those people forever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just kind of like you move on and lose touch and it goes away that fast. Yeah. It's well, just it's life. Like, you it's know. Just, yeah. Life is life. But yeah. anyway, it was a it was just a neat, neat aside that they gave you that little tidbit of information. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And there's some other interesting bits. Now, the weird thing, them filming down in Jamaica. Yeah. Kingston, actually. They said the reason they did is because that when they were trying to get backing from the film, the major backer of the film mm-hmm. was from Jamaica and wanted to try to revitalize or start a film industry down there. So oh, yeah. he put up the money to make the film on the condition they would film in Jamaica. Right. And luckily, there was a amazing-looking old theater yeah, that down would work. there. Which I can't remember what the real name of it was, but it's not the marquee they used in the film. Yeah, they called it the Dreamland. Dreamland. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't the Dreamland, but that was a great sign they had for yeah, that. Yeah, I like the name. Yeah. Dreamland's cool. But it was a fantastic theater, though. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Apparently, and according to the the cast interviews, that theater um had been abandoned for quite some time, and they said it was very obvious that homeless people had been living there and using it as a restroom for a lot of years. Yeah, they said it was disgusting. That's sad. Yeah, but they didn't. They made it look great, though. Yeah, it really did. You know? I mean, it looked old and used, but it didn't look like it was a, a toilet. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing, too, because it was filmed down in Jamaica, if you notice, a lot of the people coming to see the movie were in costume and in mask and things like mm-hmm. that, cause it was, which... It lends itself to be that because it's a horror movie marathon. Yeah. But the one of the main reasons is because it was supposed to take place in California. Right. Because they were, you know, California college film school. Yeah, where there's a, a wide mix of people. Yeah, wide mix of people and predominantly Caucasian, mm-hmm. you know. Down in Jamaica, when they were, had to, you know, get extras to film, it was mm-hmm. primarily not Caucasian, primarily, you know, black. Yeah. So to make it look like it was in California... Mm-hmm. They put costumes and makeup and mask on a lot of the extras, and it but it doesn't look like that's what they were trying to do because I of the didn't story. Even notice? No, I never even considered thought about that. Yeah, being a thing because it's like oh, people coming dressed up for the horror movie thing. You yeah, know? yeah, and that's another reason why a lot of the music in it is a lot of reggae mm-hmm. and stuff like that is because they used local musicians down there, and you know that's what it was. Yeah, and there was that one really cool song, which is probably be song. inserted in here. That's cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That worked really good. And there's another one about some scary, scary movies that's yeah, yeah, plays with the end credits. I think. Right. Overall, this is one of those. It's just it's really fun, it's, especially if you have the fondness of the William Castle stuff like we do and the whole theatrical ballyhoo. Yeah. They even had a um one of the college kids dressed up like a nurse and the other one was a Oh a uh, patient in patient, a cage. Yeah. Standing out front and she was having people yeah, sign waivers. Sign a waiver that if you get scared to death during the horathon you won't hold us responsible. Yep. And then he's a mental patient in a cage screaming, Don't go in, don't do it and then yeah. she gives him a shot and yep. 
playing it up really big. You yeah, know? yeah, it was just really awesome. We didn't go to into any of the kills. No, no, you, not gonna give everything away. Yeah, well, there's some some pretty nifty ones. Yeah, I like them. Some of them come across as being obvious as to what's gonna happen. Oh yeah, but they're still really cool. Yeah, it, it's well worth a watch. I'm not sure if it's on YouTube or not, or any of the Roku channels or anything it's like that. It's on Tubi. I oh, think. it's on Tubi. I think I saw it on Tubi. Okay. So you can check it out on, look up on the Roku. It's at least on Tubi. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I had the VHS for a long, long time and I got the Blu-ray just a couple years ago. And actually the Blu-ray, one of the first times I watched it after a monster fest, Mr. Lobo was in town. And after we all had dinner, we went up and watched popcorn at the Narrow one night. So that was pretty cool. Of course, it was, it was, we kind of half watched it and we kind of half just chatted through the whole thing, <laughs> catching up and talking about stuff. But that was really cool. We had a good time with that. Now, you know, getting back to Alan Ormsby for a minute, though, being involved in this, a couple things I probably mentioned. I know I mentioned this when I did the episode on um, Children's Certain Play with Dead Things. But Alan Ormsby is really cool and a kind of part of my childhood because he wrote a book, a children's classic monsters book mm-hmm. called either classic monsters or movie monsters mm-hmm. or classic movie monsters. <laughs> then it's one of those that I got at the, you know, the scholastic book fair that would come through schools when we were kids. Right. I don't know if they still have those anymore. I don't know. It's it a damn like shame. If would, they but don't, I don't that's a damn shame because that was such a cool thing. Those were amazing. But that book, that and the, the Thomas G. Ellsworth book, Movie Monsters, the red cover book, were two that I lived by mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Until I started getting grown-up monster books. Mm-hmm. I still have my copies of them now. And he also, the coolest thing about the book, though, the Ormsby book, is in the back of the book, it had a script for a monster play. And then also had makeup tips on oh. how to do makeup for the different monsters. Did you try putting on the play? No. <laughs> no. It was unfortunate when I was a little kid. I was uh, I was an only child, <laughs> and I didn't know a lot of kids that were really into this theatrical stuff like I was in the way that I was about it. You know, yeah. so I really didn't get into that stuff till I was you know much later, mm-hmm. hands on anyway. But Ormsby also created an awesome toy from the seventies that I always wanted. And my cousin Gary had, I remember, it was called Hugo, Man of a Thousand Faces. And it was basically like a puppet with a hard plastic head and hands mm-hmm. and this grayish, bluish tunic. And it was this bald guy head. But it came with all these different appliances, different noses and chins and eyepieces and eyebrows and mustaches, goatees, beards, wigs. So you could change his appearance hmm. like Cheney. That's you cool. Know, it was awesome. And I keep checking eBay now and again. I'm going to find one. <laughs> find one for the price I want to pay. I don't want to pay you know, the super yeah. expensive price for it. But it was such a cool toy. And Ormsby's the guy that invented it. How cool is that? Yeah, that's really neat. He'd be a, probably an interesting cat to talk to, I think. Yeah. Now, getting back to, um, I think we were just talking about Omega, where to view this. Mm-hmm. The Blu-ray, I believe it's still available. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check Amazon. I know when I got it a couple years ago, it wasn't that much. So, you know, it's easy to see. You can get it, watch on the Roku, or you can get yourself a copy. Highly recommend checking this out. Oh, yeah. If you love the, like I said before, the William Castle stuff, mm-hmm. 
the Ballyhoo and the 50s atomic monster stuff, then Mm -hmm. you'll definitely enjoy this. Yeah. Well, this isn't the only movie of this type. What are the other ones that are like this that we've Oh, yeah. Well, like, you know, tributes to this type of thing. The yeah. Cat- well, matinee, of matinee course. Matinee is the big one. Yeah, which I need to get that on DVD. I think have, I still have. We haven't have... done a podcast on that either, no, have we? No, no. We'll do it soon. Yeah. As soon as I get a copy. We probably should have done this as a double feature. Well, yeah. That might have been cool. It would have been cool. Yeah. Oh, well. Next um, time. There's a lot to talk about in that, though. I've got it on VHS still, I think. But I need to get a good copy on yeah. Blu-ray. Because that's another loving. That one's just a direct tribute to, to William, William Castle. Castle. Yeah. Because John Goodman is basically playing William Castle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love Matinee. That's yeah. a really good one. Isn't there another one that has something to do with running an old film? Something about a film? Oh, I'm sure there's a few. I'm just drawing it a blank like right now. It seems like I've seen one. Or maybe it's an episode of a television show that I've seen that had to do with a film and somebody coming back. I can't remember now, but anyway. There's quite a few, but I'm like I said, I'm just drawing a blank right now. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's anybody listening to this is probably yelling at the... <laughs> speaker now how come it's so you don't obvious. know <laughs> yeah. uh, well you know there was that one they didn't do any gimmicks but there was that one that we were talking about just the other day midnight movie yeah where it's it's not anything really like this but it takes place in a theater and they're yeah. watching this old horror movie but that is a supernatural thing maybe that's what i'm thinking of yeah. Maybe maybe it's that one that I'm thinking of that yeah. we'll have to do has it. to do with that. We'll have to do I a podcast that, on that one too because that's kind of a that's a more of a modern movie within the last ten fifteen years. Yeah, but it was really pretty good. It was I good. I yeah, I it. I think that is what I'm thinking of because it was a supernatural element in my head. It wasn't just a killer or whatever. Anyway, yeah, yeah midnight movie. That sounds right. Yeah, there's still a couple of William Castle movies from that box set we need to watch too. Oh, okay. We'll have to get back to it. Yeah. I think so. I Will think, do. I don't think we finished that set yet. I know Zots was one of the last few I thought we had to watch. Girls 13 Frightened watched, Girls. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we'll have to check. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing we considered doing a podcast on, a friend of ours, Jamie, sent us a message the other day and said he had never heard of this movie and he blamed oh. Rob. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he heard of a movie called uh, the, Velvet Vampire. Yeah, The Velvet Vampire. <laughs> And it's one I've heard about for a hundred years. <laughs> he and said he never watched it. Yeah, he said he had just heard of it, and he blamed Rob because he'd never heard of it before. <laughs> so and we immediately so we sat down to watch it. Yeah, so we sat down to watch it, thinking, well, you know, we need to do a podcast today, and and what should we do it on? Maybe we'll watch that and see if it's worth doing a podcast yeah. on. And we watched it. It was interesting. It was interesting. I don't think we'd have enough to talk a half hour. But on. yeah, there wasn't enough to talk on, or an hour, you know. But it was it was interesting and. Is oh, I recommend everything that we watch because there's something in in everything that we've talked about here. There's something worth seeing. Oh yeah, there's always something worth watching. Um, and this one was not great. Velvet Vampire, that is, was not great for that era or type of movie that it is. But it wasn't horrible either. Yeah, had a little bit of nudity in it, mm-hmm. which kept me interested in the movie. <laughs> uh, had a couple of faces, or at least one face that the lead guy. Yeah who'd been in a few things here and there, you recognize him from the 70s. Mm-hmm. And it just, I don't know, it just kind of plodded along. It was okay, but it wasn't, it didn't really hold my interest. Yeah. Other than the fact that the, tit- the title I'd heard about for so long and I wanted to see it. Yeah. Well, the thing that got me is I kept expecting more vampire 
I kept thinking, there's got to be more to the vampire part. Yeah, and it was not... And there wasn't really. It wasn't a traditional vampire. And you never see fangs. No. Not no. once. It was a woman who used blood to prolong her life. Yeah. And drank blood, but you never saw her turn into a bat or sleep in a coffin or fangs. or And she could go out in the sunlight. Yeah. Long as she was covered up, she had long sleeves and wore a hat. Yeah, and she claimed to hate the sun. Yeah, but she but lived, she in, the lived in the desert. <laughs> and crosses did affect her at least at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. So it was an odd little movie, and that it was one. Odd. It was on, I think, Tubi. We watched it on. Yeah, that was on, on Tubi as well. Tubi apparently is our Roku. new best friend. Oh, if you have the Roku, like a lot of the kids, <laughs> we've have already today, given the Tubi commercial on many podcasts. Yeah, Tubi is a channel on there. It's a free channel. You don't have to pay for anything. And there's there's like Amazon sporadic. Prime is great, and they've got some great stuff. Yeah. But every once in a while, it's like, oh, oh, damn, you got to rent it. It's not part of the package. Yeah, Tubi well, has got tons of like classic vintage and oddball stuff on yeah. there. And Tubi, they do have commercials, but they're not many. There's not many commercials. No, uh. Uh-uh. And they're very short. And they tell you how many commercials are going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll tell you this is one of one commercials, or it'll say four of four. You know, and the little thing whatever. pops up at the very top of the screen, real small. This is commercial start in ten seconds. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of cool. And whenever it go does a commercial, it comes back about five seconds previous. Yeah. So you you get caught up on where you were. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't screw you up. Anyway, so to be, I like it a lot. Yeah, Velvet Vampire. Give it a watch. Yeah, you might as well. Yeah, but back to popcorn. Thanks for the recommendation, Jamie. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> popcorn, another thing with the, the title, actually, Popcorn. What does it have to do with the movie, you're thinking? Other than it takes place in a theater and you associate popcorn movie theaters. Yep. Basically, that's it. Huh. Uh, people have speculated about it being the way movie titles were at the time and how some went for just real simple titles and yada, yada, yada. But apparently, I was when I was doing a little research on the movie... In the earlier drafts of the script, which I think Ormsby wrote the script, mm-hmm. I don't know how much of the original script was used, but in earlier drafts of the script, popcorn itself actually played more of a part in the movie, and I don't know how or why, whether it was it was in Lanyard Gates' film or like did popcorn or the popcorn machine kill explode somebody? and kill somebody? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why or how it it did, but apparently it had more to do with the movie than just associating popcorn with movie theaters. That is very weird, you know. But it is. But now I want to uh, know. Yeah, it is um a great title because and it, immediately when you say popcorn, you think movie theater. Yeah, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. you don't think Orville Redenbacher. At least I don't. You know? <laughs> no, I don't either. I think movie theater. Yeah, and you smell popcorn, you smell a movie theater. I mean, you know? yeah, yeah. That's one of the things that I miss right now with everything going on. Not being able to go up to the narrow for movies and stuff is that smell of that fresh popcorn as soon as yeah. you walk in. It's, well, it's they're intoxicating. Doing the, they do for the me. popcorn speakeasy. You can still go get popcorn. Yeah, and I need to do. I haven't been up there in a while to do that. But I need yeah, to anybody do that. who's local listening, the the narrow does the popcorn speakeasy on Friday nights and Sunday yeah, afternoons. Yeah, Friday nights. You know, after work for a few hours and Sunday afternoons. Right now, as we're recording this, mm-hmm. where they have the front door open and they sell concessions and their fresh made narrow popcorn, which right is like door. no other popcorn. It is the I best their popcorn. popcorn of any movie theater in the area, and you know, I'm not just saying that because we work there. Sometimes it's it is the best popcorn. And that smell just coming out the door. It's like, ah. <laughs> so uh, go and check them out if you're local. Yeah, you know, go support the theater. Yeah, you know, keep, keep them it going. open. Definitely, because it's one of the 
best theaters in the area for vintage classic movies now and again. And it's also just a historic theater. There's not many left. Yeah. You know, glossy multiplexes that show crap most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a great place to go and to be and... And we love it. And we love it. So go, you know, patronize them and keep them going. Indeed. Well, do we have anything else to say? Uh, I don't know. This is one of those where have, there's there's a lot going on in the movie. There is. We've left a lot Oh, out. yeah. We just glossed over the basic plot. Yeah. With this one, we have left more out than we've talked about. Which is kind of unusual for us. We normally give yeah. everything away when we talk about a movie yeah, plot. I'm not sure why we did it on this one. I don't want to, you know, I'll, we do that a lot. We'll talk, give you the whole plot and tell you who the killer is and all. Because for me, it doesn't ruin it for me knowing the end. Yeah. Sometimes that makes me more interested about how to get there. Yeah. You know, some people, it's like, oh, it spoils it for me. You know, no, no, no. I like the journey. Yeah. More than the destination, you right. know. But sometimes too, it's like, eh, Leave a little bit of, you know, let you, let you enjoy the ride. Well, in this one, there's a lot to enjoy because we left oh, yeah. tons of information. Yeah, out. and there's lots of little cool bits that happen throughout the movie that they they do with the horathon and all that. So one definitely thing, give this thing a watch. I I will say you should probably you should probably count how many times what's the, the kind of boyfriend Mark? Oh yeah, yeah, the guy. The the lead girl has a sort of boyfriend at, at the beginning, you see, and he's giving her crap because she's not giving it up to him. Yeah. So you should and, count how many times he either gets punched in the face or falls on his face. Yeah. Or, <laughs> he, he's he very clumsy. He takes crap the entire movie. <laughs> and that was a running gag throughout the whole movie, and I found it quite humorous. Yeah. Just an FYI. It could be a drinking game. It could be. It could be. Anyhow, I guess that's about it. I think so. I think we've sold it enough. Uh, <laughs> we have one thing left to do. Yes, we do. We have to play The World Revolves Around Planet of the Apes. This is the game we play at just about the end of just about every episode. Not every episode, but almost every episode here where Phyllis will give me something from the film, an actor or such, and I will connect it back to the original Planet of the Apes to prove that the world revolves around Planet of the Apes. We started this game many years before the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game, so hit me. I love Dee Wallace, but it seems like we would have used her by now for something. Yeah. Have we used Dee Wallace before? I don't know. I don't know, but she's pretty easy. Well, let's do two. Okay. All right, do, do Dee Wallace first. Okay, D. Wallace was in The Howling mm-hmm. with Slim Pickens. Okay. Who is in 1941 with everybody. <laughs> but also John Landis had a part in 1941. Mm-hmm. John Landis was in, had a small, small part in Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Well, alrighty. That's not many steps at all. No. <laughs> all right. So the other one, do, um, uh, what's his name? Tom... Villard. Tom Villard. Is that the that was yeah. one of the main guys, right? Yeah. Tom Villard was in Heartbreak Ridge with Clint Eastwood. And in that was also Oh, what's that guy's name? Um Everett McGill was in Heartbreak Ridge. Who's Everett McGill? He was the priest in Silver Bullet. Got his eye shot out or something. Okay. Vaguely. Okay. Vaguely. He was a Marine in 
in uh, I think he was in Heartbreak Ridge. Okay. Anyway, he was in Dune. Okay, the original mm-hmm. Dune. Yeah. With Richard Jordan, mm-hmm. who was in Logan's Run, mm-hmm. with Michael York, mm-hmm. who was in Three Musketeers, with Charlton Heston. <laughs> there you go. So the world does indeed revolve around Planet of the Apes. It does twice indeed. in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I guess that's about it, huh? I don't have anything else. How about you? Nope. All righty. Well, get it. Watch it. Enjoy it. I'll let put, us know what you think. Yeah, let us know what you think on the Facebook page there, on the Phantasmo After Dark email. It's phantasmoad at gmail.com. One word, phantasmoad at gmail.com. Or the Facebook page is the probably the easiest thing. Everybody's got the Facebook nowadays, and... I'll post pictures and the trailer and any other interesting, cool stuff I can find on there. So check it out. And till next time, thanks for listening, everybody. Good night. Good night.